Okay. Um, let's see who's helping us here. Let's see. This is here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> welcome, everybody. Uh, we're almost through uh, this semester. And last week, if you were here with us, our brother was sharing concerning a three-part series entitled Preaching the Gospel on the College Campuses. And so this is part two. And today, we are going to emphasize prayer and the word in the book of Acts. And uh, this book was written um, about 67 to 68. And at this time, uh, on the next slide, we see that Christ has already passed through a process of incarnation and then a wonderful time of human living. Then he went to the cross, died for our sins, accomplished full redemption. Then in resurrection, he has become the life-giving spirit, praise the Lord. And he ascended to the heavens to the right hand of God, he was enthroned, and then he, as the Spirit, has come to indwell the early disciples, okay? So, uh, <clears throat> after this, uh, the job is not completed. Uh, he has, on his side, uh, to pass through this process that is described in this diagram here. But then there is a need for this wonderful Christ to propagate himself. And that's the commission that the early disciples and we do have. And that is the propagation of this wonderful person, Christ. And so this brings us to the subject of the book of Acts. I, want, I, I would like to ask you, have you ever wondered what is the subject of the book of Acts? Well, it has to do with the propagation, in the next slide, of the resurrected Christ. That's the subject, and that's where we are today, the propagation of this Christ. And it is in his ascension by the Spirit. This was very much emphasized last week by Brother Human To propagate this Christ, to spread the gospel, we have to know and to experience Christ as the life-giving Spirit. He propagates by the Spirit, and He does it through the disciples. That is through us. And He has a purpose. It's for the producing of the churches, which together compose the kingdom of God today in its reality. So the book of Acts, if you, if you have read this book, you notice at the end of the book, chapter 28, there is not a real ending. The book of Acts has been left open for us to continue writing. Chapter 29, chapter 30, chapter 31, and so forth. So we are writing the continuation of the book of Acts. 
Today, Christ is, is still propagating himself in his ascension by the Spirit throughout the disciples to produce the churches, the kingdom of God. Okay? Well, I have a question for all of us in the next slide. What are the ways that the early disciples used to spread the gospel? We have to consider this question. We have to read, uh, especially the account in the 28 chapters of the book of Acts, and ask this question before the Lord. Lest we uh, pres become presumptuous in assuming that we can find ways to spread this wonderful person, we have to answer this question in the light of the scriptures. What were the ways that the early disciples used to spread this Christ? Well, in the next slide, we see that after much study, we have discovered that there are three main ways for the spreading of the gospel, or you may say for the propagation of this wonderful person. And they are listed here. That's prayer, the word, and the homes. Those are the three things. Go again through the book of Acts, and you will find, you will be convinced, these are the three ways that the brothers uh, in the early church emphasized. And that's why they could be kept in a sweet harmony, in a solid one accord, because they did not come up with their own ways. They all took the same three ways, and they could become of one accord. They took the way of prayer, they took the way of the word of God, and they took the way of the homes, these three things. So tonight, as I mentioned earlier, I'm emphasizing the prayer and the word. And next week, I encourage you, don't miss next week, because that's going to be so sweet. The way of the homes, okay, for the spreading of the gospel. Okay, now let us take a look on the matter of prayer in the book of Acts in the next slide. <clears throat> prayer in the book of Acts is mentioned 25 times in 16 chapters out of the 28 that made up the book of Acts, okay? 25 times. And here in this uh, slide, we have, you know, out of the 25 times, I selected three very uh, representative, representative events of the importance of prayer. The first one is on the day of Pentecost. That's Acts chapter 2. 1 and chapter 2. In chapter 1, it says that these all, the 120 brothers and sisters in Acts chapter 1, they all continued steadfastly in prayer. That's the first thing they did. Acts chapter 1 is about prayer. Before they did anything, before they spoke to the people, they prayed for 10 days. And then chapter 2, verse 4, it says that they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. You see the order? Prayer and the word. They prayed and they spoke. Okay? So, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon the disciples after much prayer. Then, 
we move on to Acts chapter 10. That's when uh, Peter is getting ready. He's being directed to go to the Gentile believers. And before he received the vision to go to the house of Cornelius, he went up to the housetop and was praying. And there God gave him a vision about where to go and what to speak. Prayer and then the word. Okay? Then the next case is in Acts chapter 13. This is on the propagation of, to the Gentile lands through the ministry of Paul, which began with prayer. There in chapter 13, it's a, it's a marvelous scene of a few brothers coming together, ministering to the Lord and fasting. And with much prayer, the Lord, as the Holy Spirit, had a way to choose and to send uh, Paul and Barnabas for the work that he had appointed them for, to. okay? So I hope you are convinced prayer is very, very is crucial, okay, uh, for the Lord's move, for the spreading of the gospel. Now, in the next slide, I would like to ask you another question. Why do we need to pray? Just consider that question. If prayer is such a big thing in the book of Acts, I think it's fair to ask the question, why do we need to pray? I don't know what would you answer. I really don't know what would be your answer or my answer before seeing this life. But number one, we have to pray because we cannot do anything. How about we say that together? We cannot do anything. That's why, number one, we have to pray. Because really, we cannot do anything. Concerning the spreading of Christ, we cannot do anything in and by ourselves. That's why we need to pray. Then, number two, because we realize that God still must do something through us. God has a purpose. And he needs some people on the earth to know his purpose and to pray according to his purpose. So God still must do something. And he needs you and me to pray. Our prayers become like the tracks for the train to move forward. So we realize that. Okay? Prayer is a mystery. The omnipotent God still wants to do something and needs us to pray. Okay? Then number three, we need to pray because God wants to mingle himself with us. When we have genuine prayer, okay, that is an opportunity for God, who is the Spirit, to mingle himself with us. The more we pray, the more mingled we become with God. The more we pray, the more God has a way to rub himself into us. Okay? So those are the three main reasons why we need to pray. Now, in the next slide, I'm going to give you just a few quotes from church history concerning this matter of prayer. How about we read the first one, the first one by E.M. Bounds? Go ahead. Prayerlessness rules the 
That's awesome, right? I hope we all are impressed with this, the importance, the significance of prayer, right? And then the second quote, um, how about we read it together? We can accomplish far more by our prayers than by our work. Prayer is, it can do anything that God can do. When we pray, God works. That's why prayer is, how do you pronounce, omnipotent or omnipotent? Omnipotent. That's why prayer is omnipotent. Because can do anything that God can do. When we pray, God works. Okay? On the next slide. You know, you remember the, the first reason that, uh, why we need to pray is because we cannot do anything, right? Well, this is Hudson Taylor, and he's telling us why God chose him. He says, God chose me because I was weak enough. God does not do his great works by large committees. He trains someone to be quiet enough and little enough and then uses him. Right? We need to pray because we cannot do anything. And sometimes if we don't pray, we still may do a lot of things. But God will always check what is the source of that. And like the next quote says, what we thought was the cloud of God's anointing over us was nothing more than the dust of our own activity. So active. But it's just, all our activity is producing is dust. Goes up and then comes down. And we may think that is God's anointing us. But it's the dust of our own activity. So we have to come back to the Lord. He likes us to be dependent on him. He likes to be the source of everything we do, right? That's why we pray. We come back to the Lord. Moreover, you know, prayer is the real denial of the self. You want to deny the self? Pray. When you pray, you deny the self. Prayer is a real rebellion against the self. The self is so ready to give opinions to give ideas, to, quote, quote, help God. But when we pray, we deny all that. When we pray, we declare, I cannot do anything. When we pray, we say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I do not know. You are the source. I'm not the source. When we pray, God gets the glory, not me. Okay? So how about we go to the next slide? <clears throat> now we move on to the word in the book of Acts. The word, either, you know, uh, as such, the word or scriptures, these are used 41 times in the book of Acts, in 16 chapters, again, out of the 28. And here are just a few verses um, that match the events that we had in the previous slide concerning prayer. On the day of Pentecost, then those who gladly received his word, that is, after Peter was speaking, those who gladly received Peter's word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I'm so happy we can gladly receive the word every day. We have to be those who gladly receive 
the word, okay? Then, uh, in relation to what happened in Acts chapter 10, when Peter went to the house of Cornelius, now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. That's in Acts chapter 11. And then, uh, when Paul and Barnabas and Paul's company went to Pisidian and Antioch, it says, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. You see how important the word of God is for the spreading of the gospel, for the propagation of this wonderful Christ, prayer and the word. And so we need this. If Christ is going to spread on this campus, we cannot have any other ways. We have to come back to the, to, the, to the essentials, to the basics, that is prayer and the word, okay? But we have an enemy, and he also knows that if we come back to the basics of prayer and the word, God will have a way to spread. So what he tries to do and does his best is to stop our speaking, to stop the word. So in the next slide, we see the enemy's focus. That is, how about we all read together what is in white? To stop the speaking of the word. That's what he wants to do, even on this campus, even with you and me, even today maybe. Maybe God wanted to speak to somebody on the bus or a friend through you, right? And you experienced, you know, an opposition against this. Well, the enemy tries to stop the speaking of the word, number one, by outward persecution. You know, I, I ask you, go back and read again Acts chapter 4. After uh, the Lord had a way to save 3,000, right? And he's continuing to spread Acts chapter 4. It's all about the enemy trying to stop the disciples speaking. That's chapter 4. You have to go again, and you see, verse after verse, it's all, let us do something to stop them, right? So in these verses, chapter 4, verse 17, how about all brothers, you read verse 17, go. You see, let us threaten them. Guess who is behind the scribes and elders and priests? It's the enemy. Let us threaten them so that they no longer speak based on this name. Right? And then, sisters, verse 18, go. So clear, right? They charge them not to utter anything at all, nor teach. Don't speak. Don't teach about Jesus, right? About his purpose. Anything based upon the name of Jesus. And then number two, this applies very much to us, um, you know, college students. And that is by consuming. The enemy attacks us by consuming our time and distracting us from getting constituted with the word. Right? 
And so Ephesians 5.16 says, how about all together read it? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Oh, every day is evil. It's full of distractions. It's full of things that rob us our time, right? So we have to seize every available opportunity to what? To be constituted with the word and not allowing the enemy to rob us again and again. You know, in this verse, the Greek word for time is not the typical word in Greek that is used, that is chronos. Here is kairos, redeeming the kairos. Kairos is also rendered in other portions of the scripture as opportunity. So the verse could be rendered redeeming the opportunity. We have to redeem every available opportunity because constitution with the word of God takes time. And I'm so happy that I'm here standing today among a group of young people who have before them the opportunity of your life to be constituted with God's word. So that through prayer, right, and by the Spirit, others can gladly receive, gladly hear the word of God and be saved, okay, on this campus. Okay, very good. Let us move on to the next slide, Austin. The church's response. How, the, how did the church respond to these uh, threatenings and put them into prison and this and that? What did the church do, the church in Jerusalem? Well, look at verse uh, 29, chapter 4. Remember, we're in chapter 4, right? The persecution. And now, Lord, they are praying, and now, Lord, look upon their threatenings and grant your slaves to speak your word. How about that, brothers and sisters? That's our prayer. Grant your slaves, right, to speak your word with all boldness. Oh, I would like to pray that on behalf of you all on this campus. Lord, grant all the students in this room to speak your word with all boldness. Right? And verse 31, how about we'll read it together? Go. And they... Oh, that, isn't that marvelous? I mean, you see the two parties, Satan using the, you know, the Jews, the Pharisees, the scribes, just threaten them, you know, uh, charge them, don't speak. You're filling this, this world, with, this city with your teaching. Okay, now the church, the church prays, and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with all boldness. Okay? Okay, let's move on to the next slide. So the word of God, oh, I love this sequence of verses. You have to remember these verses, at least the sequence. Look at what happens in chapter 6, 12, and 19. The word and the word of God grew. It's something of life. The word of, that word grew in, indicates that the word is something living. Something of life that can grow, right? And then chapter 12, verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. 
And then, the, you know, that same verse continues. And the number of disciples increased greatly. Okay? And then chapter 19. Thus the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So the word of God, right? When we pray, if we pray, for this next fall semester, right? If we pray, right? And if we seize every opportunity to get more of the word into us, to let the word dwell in us richly, the word of God on the UT campus will grow, will multiply, and will prevail. How about that? Don't you want to see a campus like this? Where the word of God grows, multiplies, prevails. Okay. Then the next slide. God moves through a group of constituted people, constituted with the word of God. And that's you. Okay. Of course, it includes everybody, but especially you at your young age. Okay. And here we have marvelous verses that show us clearly that God, for his move, he doesn't do it directly by himself. He moves through a group of people. And this group of people are constituted with the word of God. Remember when you first become a, uh, became a Christian? All the, I remember my case. All these old concepts Traditions, ideas, opinions. My mind was so old. It had to be renewed. I had to be re-educated with the word of God and become reconstituted so that I could be speaking this. Listen, I was not supposed to be here. I was supposed to be in a major pharmaceutical company making thousands and thousands of dollars and never speaking about these things, but something happened to me in all these years. And I'm here speaking something of the word of God. So it takes time, and that's why I'm so happy. Again, you're young. You have the opportunity to be part of that group of young people who can speak the word of God for God's move. Okay, so it takes time. So in Acts 2.42, how about we read that verse together? Go. This is the beginning. That verse is part of the little window that the book of Acts give us to see through that little window. Whoop, let's see what is going on. Oh, the believers, right away, they continue steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles. You see, their mind, their religious, Judaistic mind began to be renewed because they continue steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles. All these newborn babes, they continued in that teaching. About 3,000 to begin Right? Next week we will see in the homes, mostly in the homes, okay? Every day, house to house, that teaching, what's going on. Then by Acts chapter 5, we see that every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and announcing the gospel of Jesus as the Christ. They are continuing there. And they are now practicing the announcing of Jesus, right? As the, uh, uh, as the Christ. Very good. Then, in Acts chapter 7, if you remember their story, there is, uh, there is this uh, uh, persecution against one of the disciples. His name is Stephen. And he was stoned to death. And from that point, a great persecution 
against all the believers in Jerusalem started. Thousands. And they were all scattered. Look at that, chapter 8. Those, therefore, who were scattered went throughout the land just fleeing, just looking for safety or hide me or poor of me or why, Lord, why? You know, we were faithful to be in your teaching. Why are you allowing me to pass through this? No, no. They were scattered throughout the land announcing the word as the gospel. I have consulted a number of uh, books on the chronology, the dates of the book of Acts, to try to find out how much time went from Acts 2.42 to Acts 8.4. I don't know. Kyle, have you found out how, how many years? Yes. I, I have been researching, and because that, that, that's impressive. <laughs> I would like to know. It's about three and a half years. Three years or three and a half. And then I consider, oh, that sounds like college, you know? <laughs> you come here to UT, you're a freshman, yeah? We help you your first semester, and then you have three and a half left before you are scattered. Not just to get a nice job, a nice house, a beautiful wife, but to announce the word as the gospel. Wherever you go. I don't know where you will go, but you will be scattered from this campus, and what a blessing it will be. Oh, that you learn the basics of prayer, and you let the Lord as the word to abide in you richly, so that when that time comes, you just, you go. You will reach places that some of us will never be able to reach. You will have contact with people that we will never be, but you will be there as a seed announcing Jesus Christ as the gospel. And God will have a way to continue his move, his spread on this campus and even outside after you graduate. Okay? So I hope you seize the opportunity these few years that you have in college. And I hope this is helping you. You know, this last message and this one as well as the next one uh, in view of the upcoming fall semester, this campus receives 8,000 new freshmen. Don't you believe that God has prepared some like you to hear the word of God, right? To find Christ, to find the real community life, which is the church? I do believe. I was one of those. One week before classes started, I ran into, into you, into this group, and here I am. Okay? So we have to believe. God is sending us. I believe many parents are praying for their kids coming to this, I don't know what word to use, Kyle, awful, liberal, <laughs> scary place called UT. Okay. So we have to pray. We have to be ready for the upcoming fall semester, many opportunities to announce Christ as the gospel. And finally, the next slide is for next week. Don't miss the third main way to spread this wonderful Jesus, and that is the homes. That will be a very sweet way to end this semester. 
Okay? So now you have on your table maybe a page of excerpts and just form small groups and we'll let you know when we are uh, reconvening, okay? Good.